Hi, I'm Jason Jessup. I'm the CEO of Magna Mining. Magna is a Sudbury-focused nickel-copper PGM exploration development company with two significant assets here in Sudbury. Two, indeed, indeed. Well done on the uh, getting the Danson project over, over the line. Look, last time we saw you, 31 cents, up to 47 cents. Market reacted really positively. Not, I suspect, to just getting that deal closed because you had announced it previously, but more about the resource you put out. I mean, tell us, um, tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, we're really uh, excited to get the resource out, obviously get the deal closed and then and release the resource. This resource has been, uh, you know, compiled from the more than 90,000 meters of drilling that's been completed since the mine closed, as well as taking into account the uh, historic drilling that INCO did um, previous to the mine closing. So a lot of information. Um, it's been within a, uh, a large company and, and really kept um, confidential and private. There hasn't been a lot of press releases or or news about any of the drilling that, that happened over that 15-year period that was being explored um, by Lawnman Canada. And we're just thrilled to get it out there. It's a, a very significant resource. And now our global indicated resources between our two projects here in Sudbury are more than 51 million tons. So we're really excited. It's a great start. Okay, Shakespeare Denison. Um, it's really about what happens next, though, right? Because, it, okay, you, you've got, you, you can, okay, 51 million tons, brilliant. Everyone's going to be asking the question, well, so what? What next? You're still sub-100 million market cap company. It's in a nice little spike, you know, this, this week. But what are you going to do? What do you do with the data other than just put out a resource? How do you make this thing bigger? How do you make it better? And that's really, you hit the nail on the head. That's what it's all about. Uh, so, We've been thinking a lot about our plans over the last few months as we've been working on closing the deal. Um, really excited to say that drill's been mobilized to site, so we will have uh, drilling completed at Crane Hill this fall. Uh, we have done a lot of drilling at Shakespeare, and we're going to continue to drill at Shakespeare. What we see, though, is, is the real catalyst here, is the synergies between our permits we have at Shakespeare and the resource and the feasibility study that was completed at Shakespeare um, earlier this year. And now combining that with the resource we just announced at Crane Hill uh, to really demonstrate what the economics could look like combining those two projects. So we are engaged with a, uh, an engineering group and, and we'll probably give more color on that shortly to complete a PEA. And that PEA we hope to have completed by early Q2 2023. So in the next four months, let's say. And uh, that will demonstrate both, you know, the potential economics of combining the projects, uh, potential economics of Crane Hill, as well as those synergies we see between these two assets. So it's truly, you know, a a one plus one equals three. Okay, well, that's what everyone's seeking, especially in difficult markets like this. I mean, nickel's kind of been moving sideways. Signs that in China, Indonesia, Philippines. Um, are trying to make moves. We can maybe talk at the end about bifurcated markets, et cetera. But how do you take advantage of the current market? It's been a pretty difficult year for most companies. You sound like you want to get on with things. Yeah, absolutely want to get on with things. Uh, as part of closing the, the transaction, we had announced in end of September, um, we had closed and put into escrow our $20 million financing that fund the acquisition of Lawnman Canada. Um, also put some cash in our bank account that allows us to, to move forward. So we have the cash in the bank and we also brought in a, a new strategic shareholder, Hawks Point, 
um, which are, we believe, a very good supportive shareholder, currently hold about 12% of the company, along with uh, Dundee Corp, um, run by Jonathan Goodman, which currently holds about 22% ownership in the company. So between those two cornerstone shareholders um, who truly believe in our, our vision for you know, creating this hub and spoke production model here in Sudbury, um, we do have the support to continue to move things forward. And we think it's a very opportune time to do that. Right. The, we, we, the hub and spoke component is is great, but you've got a few options when you do hub and spoke because you've got your mill permit. We talked about that last time. Um, that requires capex, requires capital, but you've also got tolling available to you. Hoke and spoke, uh, hub and spoke routes, where, how are you going to take advantage of that? Because you could go out and make more acquisitions, right, and kind of get the scale and it's, you know, it's about the, the minerals in the ground, the metals in the ground there. Or you say, well, let's kind of move and advance towards some kind of production scenario and get some revenues flowing. How are you managing this? And, you know, what's the, what's the plan? Yeah, so we do have a number of options. And being in Sudbury, you know, with all the infrastructure and benefits that go along with that, we do have those options. And as you mentioned, one of those options is looking at toll milling. Uh, Crane Hill has significantly higher grade than Shakespeare, and it's uh, closer to two of the operating mills here in Sudbury. So those discussions um, are ongoing and, and the potential to uh, not only de-risk Crane Hill by mining some of these areas along the footwall um, that we talked about, these lower sulfide, high PGM areas um, that haven't been mined previously. And, and mind everyone, Crane Hill is a, a long um, time producer, produced for 80 years, 20 million tons by Inco. So it does have a long track record, but the footwall material was never mined before. So looking at a potential toll milling scenario um, prior to the start of construction or even during construction of um, Shakespeare, you know, could be a very, very good option. And this is one of the reasons why we're looking at doing a PEA to really evaluate all these options, um, you know, demonstrate the potential economics, as well as also the recommendations on how to best move forward to feed into a future pre-feasibility study. Right. Obviously, with Hawks Point and Dundee, they're going to have a longer term view than most of your other shareholders here. Um, and given you're only coming up to PEA phase there, you've got some time. The market will have moved and evolved. Prices may have may have changed. You've got your, your view is probably that, you know, nickel prices and Copper prices, you know, will will rise during that period. So, do you need to kind of accelerate a process um, th- through the next kind of phases, as it were? D- have you changed the way that you're approaching this? Have you know, Hawks Point or Dundee encouraged you to reevaluate things? I would say that uh, they haven't encouraged us to reevaluate things. I think they're supportive, and really, the reason that they're investing is they're investing in the team and our vision, and uh, very supportive of that. So, we are moving things along as quickly as is practical. Um, we do want to take a systematic approach. We're not uh, cowboys that are shooting from the hip, so to speak. Uh, so we're looking at things in a good mining fashion, making sure that we're doing you know, the right first steps and understanding risks, mitigating those risks and moving forward. That being said, because it's such an advanced asset, because it has a long history, there's been a lot of technical work done in the background. Lawnman Canada had done a lot of technical work as far as you know, metallurgy and, and understanding the deposit. So we can incorporate all that and move things along quite quickly. And that's why we believe we can get a PEA um, completed and published, you know, in three to four months. So we are moving things along fairly quickly. Um, we have supportive shareholders. And 
much like my experience here in Sudbury in the past, we're going to look at opportunities as they come about. And those opportunities may be, as I just mentioned, you know, some early mining, some toll milling to better understand, de-risk the project um, and potentially, you know, even fund some of the construction of Shakespeare. Right. And again, with this historic data, there's a lot, that's a lot of meters that you, you've inherited. And, you know, no, no doubt you're going to go after some, some new meter, some new data yourself uh, as well. The, the, the nickel is like pretty good, Greg, you know, sort of at point, point, point 0.5. Um, you picked up copper is like, there's down at 0.5. Uh, a little bit of cobalt, PGEs, and a little bit of gold in there as well. So you got a lot of, look at a, a lot of byproducts um, there, but you're going to have to start forming an idea as to how this gets mined, if that's the way that, that you're going, in which case, how do you, with the data you've got, start targeting um, more of the, of the projects? I'm, I'm particularly uh, interested in the Denison component. Yeah, so the Denison resource that we released it is an open pit resource as well as an underground resource. The open pit resource was done at a 0.3% nickel equivalent cutoff and sits at about 1% nickel equivalent. So as you said, about 0.5 nickel, 0.5 copper and 1.2 approximately grams platinum plating plus gold. So decent grade for an open pit. Um, the underground component is much similar to what was historically mined. So it is um, you know, about 1% nickel, 0.8 copper and um, about two and a half, let's call it approximately two and a half platinum plating plus gold. So, you know, quite, quite good material. When you look at it all together, you're talking about 2% nickel equivalent. So a very good mix of metals. Um, and, you know, at sort of today's prices could be potentially, you know, very profitable uh, under certain mining situations. So what we're doing right now is a couple things. One of the things we're doing is we are drilling and exploring. And I've learned this from past experiences here in Sudbury. Um, when I worked for FNX Mining and I ran a couple of their operations, these were old Inco mines, very, very similar to Crane Hill. It's, you know, cookie cutter, same style, ran for a lot of years, you know, mined out a lot of the, the main contact mineralization, didn't do much exploration in the footwall, left a lot of other smaller pods and, and remnants, um, very similar to Crane Hill. And what we discovered at FNX was footwall deposits. And so we are going to be doing some aggressive um, exploration and using the experience of our team, which a lot of them are former FNX geologists, um, to explore the footwall to find more high-grade material that will hopefully enhance a, a future mine plan. Again, a lot happening right now. As I said, drills going to be turning um, anytime. Um, expect to have sort of first um, results, you know, before Christmas. So, um, we will be exploring, we will be looking at mining, um, and we will be, you know, understanding the property a lot better in, in the optionality around open pit and underground mining scenarios. Okay, so if we look at nickel and copper, they were sort of the darlings of, of the metal space at the beginning of the year, um, and kind of like your share, your share price, people kind of lost interest or lost confidence in the market more broadly. Um, not necessarily the, the, the prices are kind of you know, good, but how do you manage the narrative in the marketplace as to what you're going to be? Who, do you, who would you compare yourself to? We've seen some you know, names really kind of take off this year and, can, and continue to do well, and others are going to fall off the side of a cliff. So what are you going to try to be, and how do you get there? That, that's a great question. And really, you know, we get asked all the time, how do we compare you to other, uh, your peers? And it's really hard because we don't have any peers. Uh, there are no junior 
nickel, copper, PGM exploration development companies out there that are in a tier one jurisdiction with permits, with a very significant resource. The contained nickel in the Denison resource alone at Crane Hill is over 500 million pounds. So very, very significant amount of metal and, and at some very decent grades, you know, typical grades that were mined for over 80 years. So there's no one else that really compares to us. I would say what we're striving to do is recreate that same type of culture and that same type of um, company that, that I experienced with FNX mining back in the, the 2000s. And I think that, uh, again, our team, that's our experience, that's our background in Sudbury is very unique. Now there's others out there like Talon Metals that people look at and say, well, look at Talon, you know, your resource is, is very similar. It's very comparable in size. And, and you know, when you look at the, the nickel equivalent grades, it's, it's very similar. Um, why aren't you valued like them? And, you know, my answer this week is we've just announced the resource. It's going to take a little while for people to adjust it. And I think those that are uh, figuring out, you know, the opportunity here are, uh, are going to do very well. Right. Okay. While they're figuring it out, you've got to figure out how quickly you can move to a kind of cash flow potential situation, right? And obviously, you're moving through the phases with the studies. Do you get to, again, because of what you know, do you get to skip a few phases here? Do you get to accelerate the time frame? You know, when is, when is it realistic that you could be in a cash flow position? Yeah, and it's early for me to, to kind of give any guidance on that. But what I can say is if the PEA, after we've done the review, um, looks positive. And if at that time, um, the recommendation is we need to understand some of these other zones better. We want to, you know, collect some, some bulk samples to get indicative terms, potentially for toll milling. Uh, we could potentially be breaking ground and doing some of that early stage mining and early stage infrastructure development, um, possibly by the end of Q3 next year. Uh, so there is a lot of just because of the advanced brownfield nature of the project and, and our experience here in Sudbury, um, there is a great potential to move things along quickly if, if that's the right thing to do. Again, cash flow, positive position in, in commercial production, I'm not going to give guidance on that right now, but we could, much like what FNX did, move things along fairly quickly and through toll milling, um, you know, what we believe could be relatively low capex, uh, move into some sort of production within a reasonable time frame. Right. And, and what, is, what does that mean for Shakespeare Project? Because obviously there's the new kid in the block. Um, everyone's excited about the Denison um, Project. But in terms of going through the study phases with Denison, you're going to have to obviously be looking at how you bring that uh, or you, you can benefit from, um, I, I guess, more a more efficient process by including what's going on at Shakespeare. So Hub and Spoke is, sounds nice. It's actually hard to manage uh, timing-wise. So how, how do those things work together? And will there be another um, spoke coming along anytime soon? <laughs> well, you know, the Hub and Spoke production model is standard practice here in Sudbury. So Valet has one mill, Glencore has one mill. And both those mills are fed from multiple deposits and they have been doing that for many decades. So that is pretty standard practice, trucking ore across the camp and in and around Sudbury. So what we're, you know, envisioning doing here with Shakespeare and in Crane Hill um, is not something new or not something out of line. So it's from a logistics perspective, it's very straightforward. 
Um, from a timing perspective, you know, the question is, when do we actually say we're breaking ground, we're going to start building Shakespeare? And, and that's something we need to figure out. Now, there is work we want to do um, as part of this PEA when we start looking at the synergies. You know, there's going to be questions. And one of the questions is, is 4,500 tons per day, which is currently what is in the closure plan and permits for Shakespeare, the right size? Um, that, that's a real good question we have to look at. And, and what could it be? What is the right size based on these two resources that we currently have? So there is lots of work to still do to kind of optimize and see where we want to go with it. Um, and hopefully over the next three to four months, we're going to get some good clarity on that. Okay, and what's your hope for share price now? Because obviously you've seen a, a really nice reaction from the marketplace, but things will settle down. They, they, they always do, because it's going to take a ne- bit of time for you to hit the next catalyst, the next moment uh, along the, the journey that you're going on. Do you need to kind of give the market a few excite- exciting things to look forward to? If you do X, Y will happen, or is it you're kind of happy with your lot right now, given the market conditions? Well, I think that the market is, you know, just starting to digest the story. And, you know, Matt, we've been talking for a number of years now. Um, and, you know, some of your viewers are, are familiar with Magnet, but there's a lot of people out there that still aren't familiar with, with us, especially compared to some of our, our larger peers that are in the nickel space. Um, so we think once we get the story out there, there's still lots of... Uh, Lots of value, I guess, to be unlocked for be recognized by shareholders. We do have a fairly tight shareholder structure, as I mentioned. You know, cornerstone shareholders like Dundee and, and Hawks Point, um, you know, they're long-term shareholders. Management still holds 14%. So if you look at the approximately 34% that's held by Dundee and Hawks Point, and you add 14% of management, you almost have 50% of the stock tied up completely. And as well, we have a number of other long-term shareholders who believe in our strategy. So when people want to get into the story and they want to buy in the market, and right now we have cash in the bank, so we're not looking to you know do any more private placements in the in the short term. Um, people are going to have to buy in the market, and if there's not a lot out there, it may go may go higher. That being said, one of the great catalysts that we think is that we're really excited for is with exploration. So um, you know if we can be successful and and test some of these footwall targets we have and, you know, continuations of the 109 footwall zone, these high PGM zones that could lead to, you know, typical Sudbury, high copper, high PGM footwall deposits. Um, you know, those are, there's great catalysts there. And FNX is a, a great example. It's been a long time since somebody, uh, a junior has really been in the Sudbury camp proper and, and just made a new discovery. Uh, you just don't hear about them because Companies like FNX were acquired and, and then became parts of, you know, giant international conglomerates. So there are uh, lots of catalysts, we believe, over the next three to six months that could have major game changing uh, opportunities for shareholders in our company. Absolutely. And, and so going into a market like that, I know, I know you would not claim to be a market commentator as such, but you must have your, uh, your eyes and ears peeled as to what's going on over there in the, in the east, which is... You're talking about um, Indonesia, Philippines, potentially uh, China kind of creating a, the equivalent of OPEC uh, for nickel. Uh, ONEC, I think they're calling it, uh, O-N-E-C. Um, obviously, the implications for that are huge um, and probably quite good for Western companies um, as well. So, you know, how much credence do you put uh, to, to that or how much credence do you give that? Um, and... Um, you know, what, what, do you, what do you think the sort of timing of something like that could be? 
Yeah, and those are all great questions. And I never, uh, I never claim to be an expert in nickel, but like most uh, people in my position, I have an opinion. And I think that definitely just the signaling that there could be an OPEC type um, organization formed to, to manage, you know, the nickel supply coming out of Asia is extremely interesting. When you start comparing a commodity like nickel to oil, it just shows the importance of it. And this is being viewed globally um, between, you know, many, many developed countries and people realize the importance of nickel and what that, you know, what's required going forward. We're seeing it here in, in the U.S. and with grants that are given out to promote uh, domestic supply chains for, for battery metals. And, you know, the Ontario government is right on board with strategic metal strategies and supporting development of new projects. So I do believe that, you know, there's going to be increased demand. And that's, I think everyone can agree in that. I do believe there's going to be challenges in ramping up supply as quick as that demand. Now, sure, there's lots of laterite, you know, nickel deposits out there and money being invested to bring it forward. The challenge will be, how do you use that nickel? Is that going to be used for primarily stainless steel, which is still the biggest demand for nickel? Or how much of that can actually be used in battery manufacturing? And will that ever come to Europe and North America? And, and I'm very hesitant to say that it will. So I think that, you know, projects like ours that are, uh, North American or even you know, European nickel supply that is sulfide nickel that is done at very high ESG standards um, to supply the European and North American markets, I think is going to be in, in big demand. And I, I am truly bullish on nickel. I think that we're seeing it right now, even in these tough markets, nickel prices are hanging in there. Nickel, I believe, is over $11 US a pound today. Um, it's going to have volatility. It's going to bounce around. But I truly believe that $10 U.S. nickel is the new bottom. And we could easily see nickel above $15 a pound U.S. Uh, before the end of next year again. Yeah, I, th I think I agree with that. It's been bouncing around the, the sort of 10 you know, 10, 12 mark for you know, a few months now. Um, be interesting to sort of see if it can sort of uh, find this lower lower or higher low, as they like to call it. Um, well, it, and it's just one other thing is, and again, come back to think, how do you take advantage of these moments? Because it's such a, we talk about oil being geopolitical, we talk about uranium being geopolitical, but the battery metal side of things is also heading that way in, in terms of these bifurcated markets um, and ecosystems and North America. You've seen, a, and I guess also in, the, in, in light of the Canadian government basically telling Chinese companies to get out of uh, Canadian lithium companies is you and your North American friends to the south um, um, seem to be forming alliances and allegiances. So are you going to be listing on OTC uh, anytime soon or uh, making your stock available to the US? Yeah, I think that, uh, you know, we have had internal discussions about listing on the OTC and there's been uh, quite a bit of interest from uh, U.S. investors asking that same question. So although I, I wouldn't say we have a firm decision or have applied yet, um, it does seem like the logical thing for us to do in the coming months. And uh, now that we're a larger company with the acquisition alum in Canada, I think we'll have that size that really starts to make uh, that matters and has that critical mass for the U.S. market. 
Brilliant. Okay, well, Jason, I just wanted to kind of quick catch up, say congrats on the acquisition, uh, and more importantly, the the, the resource. Uh, that, that's, that's super exciting. Um, can't wait to see what you do next. So stay in touch, and uh, we'll speak to you soon, okay? Thanks a lot, Matt. Hope to speak to you soon.